0: Welcome back, everyone, to the Rolex Whiskey Passion Project for another fun Whiskey Passion edition. And today I have a guest who, man, if you follow his his Instagram, he does all kinds of crazy shit. Fun, fun, not crazy, fun. And he has an admiration for whiskey, and I knew I had to get him on the show. So without any further ado, I'd like to introduce Seth Weinberg to the Rolex Whiskey Passion Project. How are you, my friend? I'm Excellent. Thanks for having me
1: on the podcast today. Where in the country are you today? Currently, I'm in my hometown of Nashville, Tennessee. At least for the next few days. All right. No, no poker tournaments. Nothing. You, you chill for a second. Not, not this week. Uh, you know, there's a there's a big whiskey festival tomorrow in town. I'll probably go over there and and hang out and see all the all the friends who come in from around the country and around the world and. Probably taste uh, way too many great whiskeys <laughs> in a short amount of time. <laughs> that's, totally, that's what that's you want.
0: You want you want to tell the audience a little bit about yourself, uh, who you are. Maybe throw out your Instagram
1: handles if you want. If not, all good too. Absolutely, my name is Seth Weinberg. Currently reside in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, Instagram handles are just at Seth Weinberg if you want to follow me personally. Uh, but the whiskey-focused Instagram uh, that I focus on is called Vintage Whiskey and that really focuses on specifically Vintage Whiskey bottles of all type from all over the world but not just bottles also any uh, artifacts or advertising pieces that I find that really talk about the history of styles of whiskey as well as brands and also some of the, you know, the unique and different ways that whiskey was presented, you know, through advertising and things like that, uh, in different centuries, so, or, or different decades at least. But it, it's, um, definitely kind of a, just a passion project of mine, kind of nerdy. It's not, you know, long, verbose post, and not everybody's into it. Probably a small amount of people. Most people are just looking at pictures, but you know, that's the form that I use right now and i actually use it as a reference i can go back and look at look at some of those posts and i can't remember all this stuff uh so when i took the time to do the research at the time you know i'll still go back and look at posts when when those questions pop up every once in a while but other than social media stuff uh, i worked in the hospitality business for over 20 years uh mainly bars and restaurants growing up. You know, I started working in a a Mexican restaurant when I was a teenager to save money for a car. So really the the first spirit or the first liquor that I learned about well before I was old enough to drink was tequila because we had kind of a chain Mexican restaurant in a small town in Missouri where I'm from. We had a pretty good tequila selection. And I, you know, as a teenager, was immediately gravitated towards the bar and, and the liquor behind it. So I started working working as a, you know, a bar back. And when I was old enough to many years later as a bartender and that, that kind of took me on, on my journey, uh, through my career as a hotel restaurant management major, food science minor. And then I, I continued, uh, to work, work in those businesses after college. And mainly, uh, what really got me, you know, the first thing that got me deep into whiskey was, was working at a couple of high end. Restaurants, uh, steakhouses that had a large, and, a large. And Sandy, what,
0: what what year? What, what year was that?
1: Roughly, like when was that? That was in about two thousand eight, two thousand nine. So you know we're looking at about about pre- 15, fifteen years ago.
0: Yeah. So this is pre any kind of boom, and that's really where you were finding whiskey was in these upscale establishments. If you wanted an assortment, correct at that time period. Because I was running restaurants around that same time period, and like you know, we we had stuff, but it was mainly Scotch. You know, that was the main jam. There wasn't so in in like where you were in two thousand and eight. What what would you when you now getting your taste for whiskey? Was it American Scotch or or any whiskey, Irish? You know,
1: yeah, it was a little bit of everything. You know, working working in a a bar restaurant that has a large selection. You know, of course, you're going to have, you know, some stuff outside of your normal, you know, American bourbon selection. Uh, you're going to have not just Jameson for Irish whiskey, you're going to have the yep. red breast and, and maybe a couple different varieties of it. So, you know, the idea of, of, some of the, the massive whiskey bars that we know of today, a few were around, you know, 15 years ago, but not, not as many, you know, that was kind of 15 years ago was right on the cusp. Uh, maybe well, when, when the boot right. was right, cocktails were, you know, but even cocktails were, were starting to become a, a, a thing as well. You know, there was a, a large dark period of, of very mediocre cocktails, mm-hmm. you know, that weren't using quality ingredients. So that was, that was right about the time, you know, 15 to 20 years ago. Um, and it's still, still growing today, but, but definitely that was, you know, an early, early introduction, but you know, for me, maybe it was partly. And what, and
0: what was the introduction? Like, what was, what was the whiskey that stood out for you after coming from this tequila palette? Like, what was the whiskey that you first tried and be like, Oh, this is interesting.
1: Well, there's, there's a few, few things that, that I'd say as far as work goes, you know, m- my job is to know everything about every, all the product that I served. So really yeah. that's where some, some of the, the passion for, learning about this stuff and the history came into play because I want to know more information than any of my customers and be able to, to offer them answers. So that's where the, you know, the part of the deep dive and the rabbit hole started going when, hmm. when I, I started working at a, uh, you know, a high-end steakhouse in Miami, that was my first really, really, you know, high-end restaurant that I worked in after kind of working in more casual style places and smaller markets. And that was a Michael Mina steakhouse, uh, bourbon steak. And they had a, a very expensive list when I came in and you know, the things that stood out to me just on that list were of course the higher price items, because I assumed, you know, nobody's going to pay $75 for a pour of whiskey if they don't know anything about it. And if I don't know anything about it, I definitely can't sell it to them. So for American whiskey, you know, on that list, the, the, the couple things that stood out, the bottles that I remember were number one, uh, age Hirsch. Uh, sixteen year. We had it. I oh, I man. remember this, but I remember this specifically. Uh yeah, yeah. That, was, that, was, that, that 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 was the gold foil version. But we had we had it. That was good. I, I mean, I remember this fifteen years later because I remember looking at the price and thinking, like, one, I don't know what this whiskey yeah. is. Two, you know, why is it priced at sixty dollars a pour and not sixty dollars an ounce? You know, there was no such thing as as ounce pricing yeah. really back then. I yeah. think that was a, That was it. That was a good two ounce rocks for for
0: sixty. Yeah, so that lot. was like half half a rocks cup. If the guy was feeling right. generous, he's like, dude, no one else is
1: paying 60 bucks exactly. here. Enjoy yourself. <laughs> so, so that, that bottle stood out to me. And then also Pappy Van Winkle cool, 23, you know, we had all the pappies back then. And, you know, these would be, you know, some of the old Stitzelweller juice versions. So we're talking about that many years ago. And those were, uh, the, I think the 23 was $75 a pour. Also, you know, one of the ones that, that I remember vividly from being on my bar, um, American whiskey UIs is, is the older Van Winkle 10 year. And that's back when they were in the squat bottles. Yeah. And those were, you know, r- retail at the time, they were about 40, 40, to 45 bucks a bottle, which means wholesale, probably closer to, you know, 35. And we, we had those pours, you know, there was the two different proofs, the 90 proof and the 107 proof. I think we had those priced even at a high end place maybe, maybe 10 and $12 for a drink. Yeah. They were just, you know, and we, we had four or five of each bottle just sitting on the bar getting dusty. And, you know, so I looked into those a little bit, like, cause they, you know, even, even back then those kind of caught my eyes, you know, unique bottles with unique labels and you know, a little understanding that, that these were special just by looking at them. So, you know, it was kind of my job, Hey, this stuff's sitting here, but it's good whiskey. So let's get people excited about this.
0: Well, because you're also talking 2008, and in a fine dining establishment, I mean, they, I mean, those were sitting and getting dusty because people were coming in and getting like a Johnny Walker Black.
1: Exactly, Look, and that, and that's what, that's what, that, that's what I was saying when I when I bring up these three or four whiskeys. and even those those prices were high for American whiskey? Yeah, yeah we we had the scotches on the bar. that were exorbitant price. You know, we had the the cellar collection, Glenlivets, and you know mccallan wasn't wasn't the crazy price that it, it is johnny walker blue johnny walker what? blue was the yeah. top shelf you sell a yeah. lot of johnny walker blue at 30 to 40 dollars a drink and you know yeah. we we had the stuff on the menu that was you know maybe a couple hundred dollars because back then you know it wasn't uncommon for a scotch bottle to to cost a thousand dollars wholesale um for something very unique and vintage and special and you know that's still kind of the same today when you're looking at, at values. Well, sure, there's bottles of American whiskey that are, uh, creeping up into the hundred thousand dollar price point, but you don't see any really above that price point. And even that's a pretty rare, pretty rare deal, but there's definitely multiple bottles of scotch and Japanese whiskey that are in the seven figure range consistently. So, yeah. you know, we're now American whiskey. is still, still catching up as far as, you know, value and demand, but you know, that could change, you know. Years down the road, it's just a, you know, it's a, obviously a a smaller market than, than people realize. So this is 2008,
0: and you, you got, you got Hirsch, you got old Pappies, you got the old Van Winkle 10. So you're sipping on that, going like, hey, there's something here. This is different, or this is you, like, where's your brain going when you're drinking those?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I knew there was kind of a, a story behind them, something, something that was, That was different, you know. You you could tell, hey, these aren't big brands, you know, because all all the big brands are being pushed on you.
0: Yeah, they're coming in and swiping the credit cards, right? Yeah, they're coming in and swiping the credit cards and saying, keep it on the (laughs) bar,
1: right? So somebody, you know, at that price point, but without any marketing behind these bottles, you know, I knew there was a reason that they were in in that price range. that's because the people making them and bottling them, you know and that's generally one person <laughs> knew, knew how special yeah. they were, you know, Julian Van Winkle knew what, what he was sitting on. And, you know, part of it was, was that, you know, he knew there wasn't a lot of this whiskey left, you know, even he didn't own it anymore. You know, he had to, he had to buy the yeah. barrels, which he kind of knew like, Hey, I can't believe they're still selling me these barrels at at this price. But he knew that was kind of a finite resource. And, you know, obviously there's some sentimental value there to him as well. You know, it's his, his family's multi-generational work and kind of life's work where, you know, we're going to bottle this stuff and and we're doing it by hand, you know, his costs are, are probably a lot higher to, to bottle all that stuff by hand and without a big distribution network. Yeah. It's going to cost a little bit more money. Also, if you have something in the barrel for 16 or, or 23 years? um yeah it's it's not not cheap you're paying taxes on it every year while you're world while you're losing product so yeah that and this is
0: 2008 i mean i've i've had conversations with marcy from preservation like they were just shipping it all overseas they're like it just wasn't a market here sure you know everyone was everyone was calling them to buy buy their barrels american wise and they were kind of like uh like i don't
1: know like we'll buy a few more but i don't know how many more i want to buy i got a lot right yeah, if you if you want kind of a crazy story, and this is this is you know this is I think one of my one of my funner stories from the early days that that first restaurant that I worked at, you know, this is when I started working there. I'd been there maybe six months, and they that was right right when the economy you know kind of took their downturn right two thousand. Yep. Yep. Was, and yeah, so th- this restaurant's part of a uh, kind of a larger private club where people would pay, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of high end clients would, would pay for, you know, their golf memberships and and private, you know, private championship golf courses and, and, um, you know, access to this, uh, community that, that just, you know, the restaurant that I was at just became, a you know, open to the public a few years before it had been a, you know, private restaurant. So, you know, celebrity chef kind of comes in and Hey, now we're, we've got to open to the public. We need to make some money. The economy is going down. So I remember. They actually sent out an email or they just told us in a a staff meeting, Hey, we have a a large inventory of wine, whiskey, and liquor, uh, that's, you know, not really selling and we need, you know, as much capital as possible. So we're going to open up, uh, our sellers to our members. Here's, you know, basically a list of everything that we have in inventory. Anything is available that they want to buy. And, you know, we had quite a few people who were interested in wine back then, was with some and some customers. Mm-hmm. And they were, mm-hmm. they were interested in the wine, but, you know, I don't think it had been cellared that great, you know, it was kind of in a hotel, you know, stock room, but not necessarily a cellar. So it wasn't, you know, knowing just a little bit about wine, that wasn't something I was really interested in. But there weren't really, you know, anybody, nobody was talking about the whiskey that was for sale. And, you know, I saw, well, hey, they had like- the- they had like 11 bottles of the AA church in inventory, you know, they bought a case, which means what that means is that they bought, you know, a you know, a couple six packs or one 12 pack or whatever it was, they had probably gone through half of a bottle in four years or however long yeah. they'd had it. And so it's just sitting there and, you know, I look at the wholesale price. I think it was maybe just, uh, like around $120 a bottle and, you know, granted I'm, I'm in my early twenties and. I don't have a lot of savings yet and, I, you know, I was kind of a collector by nature, but I'd never thought about collecting whiskey per se, but I said, you know what, let me, let me take part of my paycheck and, and pick up some of these bottles because, you know, you can't get them cheaper than this in the store. You know, you're, you're paying, they offered them, I believe at wholesale prices, so basically it cost. So I remember I picked up four, I picked up four bottles of the A. Church gold foil and I, you know, just. I knew how special they were. I think that book came out years later, you know, the, the, the best whiskey you'll never get to taste. And I still had those, you know, just sitting in storage with a couple of bottles of Pappy and, you know, it wasn't really, really my intention to make money on these at the time. I just was like, well, you know, I might not be able to find these in a few years. And, you know, I know it's some pretty special whiskey, but let me, let me just hold on to these and, you know, it's not an insane amount of money to be sitting on. Was that, that the, was that the first? Was that the first whiskeys you bought? Some of the first, you know, I, I had a few. Okay. You know, it was right around then where where I picked up a handful of bottles. You know, I picked up. They they were all all crazy bottles like that. You know, I picked up a couple of the Maker's Mark kind of special editions, just because I thought the the wax was cool. You know, Maker's Mark was a big brand, and it's like, well, I've only seen this red wax bottle, and they did like that Rock the Vote edition. I, and I think that was that might have been two thousand eight as well. And you know, that was red, white, and blue wax. So just just that, you know, that bottle's you know, Maker's mark collectors are a whole different type of uh, whiskey collector. They're collecting more yeah. for the the pack the packaging rather than the juice inside the bottle. Um similar to a lot of Jack Daniels collectors and you know, I remember I, I still have that bottle too. You know, kind of the same thing. the juice isn't special. It just to me kind of a nostalgic bottle from from my early days. And, but I bought a few other things. I know I had a you know bought a, a couple bottles of, of Pappy, you know, and those were like sitting on the shelf at Total Wine, and oh, all and, day long, uh, bought... all day long, yeah. They would offer and, it to me at my restaurant, yeah. and I would say no. I'm like, no one's buying right, right.
0: it. What? Sure. Give me more Johnny Walker Blue. <laughs> give yeah. Give Johnny Walker Black. Yeah, exactly. Give me a bottle of Jim Beam and a bottle of Maker's to make yeah. a cocktail with. You know.
1: Yeah, I think I, I think I bought those. And I yeah, but I'd leave, I'd leave happy 23 on the shelf at, at total wine as well, because you know I knew it was special, yeah, but just, it was expensive and, and, you know, I didn't have a ton of money at the time and, you know, I didn't have a crystal ball. So it just wasn't one of those things where, you know, there was, there were so many cooler things that I could have done with $200, you know, and, and when you're that age, <laughs> I mean, I'd rather, rather to go have a $200 bar tab, you know, at the, uh, at the dive bar on the beach with, with my friends, you know. You know, maybe I'll get late. You know, maybe I'll get late if I have a good day. You know, I'm not going to, yeah, not going to get late. Not going to get late if I have a $200 bottle, happy 23 years. Sitting
0: in my bedroom.
1: Right. (laughs) (laughs) So opportunity cost was big there. Okay.
0: So, so now you've kind of the, it's in there. Let's fast forward to next moment where whiskey is now again. So, whiskey is now something you, you, you've picked up a thing for, right? You're like, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to go play.
1: Yeah, ab- absolutely. You, you know, I had had a small, small collection, uh, you know, maybe, maybe 20 bottles of stuff that I just, you know, wasn't opening and drinking every day, but continued to learn and, and work in working in some markets. I think, you know, I guess if you're asking kind of when did that transition change from hey liking this whiskey to it becoming a little bit more, is that, is that kind of what you're
0: wondering? More, more, most I think more, more like, Hey. I'm now, I'm, I'm in Miami, I've picked up a few, that's a pretty monument, that's like stage one. What does stage two look like? Because it's got to be, you know, I, I would imagine by now, in my mind, you're on stage six. What does stage two look like? You okay. know, you go to another establishment and, and you kind of see the same thing happening because I want to start to get closer to that 2000, because 2008, 9, and 10 were like just devastation everywhere in the restaurant business and nightclub business, right. you know, it was like. It was a mess. Nobody was spending money anymore. If They had money, you know, there was very few and far between. And it kind of like there was a lot of decimation happening in that industry. And then like around 2012 ish, 13, 14, a lot of people who were opportunistic, I saw, went and picked up all that devastation and loaded them into groups and then started like you started to see a resurgence
1: come. Where, where are you at that point of the game? Sure. Well, before we go to stage two, I want to mention one thing in, in stage one, uh, that's important yeah. to me and, and kind yeah. of the journey that I've got on and where I'm at today is, uh, I went to a, a friend's engagement party back home in, in Missouri around the same time. And, you know, so I'd started, started to learn about whiskey and spirits, you know, an, an old co-worker of mine, I think from the Mexican restaurant actually. And we were down in his, his basement, this is uh, in St. Louis, Missouri and the host. You know his his godfather you know said hey you know open bar downstairs anything anything you see you know drink you know i don't know it's getting crazy crazy out there so so don't so don't don't feel bad so i actually that's where i discovered my first dusty bottle you know now you know the term dusty is fairly new but we didn't yeah i didn't really know what that was at at the time and i was fairly young you know i I think if i'd been in my 30s or 40s you know maybe i'd you, you know some of those folks who were, yeah. you know, again, had, had a little better grasp, but you know, I was still kind of a kid, but I found a, a bottle and it was in a wooden box and it was a brand I'd never seen before. And it was unopened. And so I was like, well, this looks kind of special too. You know, I knew a little bit about, about whiskey and brand by then, of course. And, and so I just, just to be safe, I took to the host and said, Hey, you know, can I open this bottle? I don't know what it is. I just want to double check. And he goes, yeah, of course. And he's like, it's been sitting down there for years. I don't remember where it came from even. And so it was a bottle of Ezra Brooks, 15 year, uh, 101 proof, which, you know, <laughs> just, just recently became, you know, very, very sought after. But I remember opening that bottle. I'm, I think I'm down in the basement by myself. And that was, I think really my first aha moment with whiskey as far as, wow, this is what an amazing whiskey tastes like, because, you know, I didn't realize it at the time, but I realized it many years later when I, you know, it was probably a 10 year lag before I even saw another bottle of Ezra Brooks 101, uh, 15 year again. And that's when I remembered, you know, Hey, that, that bottle that I drank. So I, I thought it was so good. You know, people trickled downstairs and we were were, starting, starting to have fun. And I, I made all my friends try this. And I remember, you know, this was way before the era of Cairns. I was just pouring this out, you know, big, big shots of it into like Irish coffee mugs. I said try this because everybody's like drank drinking it and we and and we all liked it and so much so where you know i know we drank the entire bottle that night and i've actually got pictures a couple pictures like two or three pictures back from you know the flip phone days and they're like blurry <laughs> but i'd i'd taken a picture the bottle i didn't even get the full bottle shot but the like the front label and the back label and then i've got a picture of all of us a little intoxicated by the end of the night and we're all holding bottles, you know, like, hey, look at look at this liquor we just drank. And, you know, everybody's got a bottle in their hand. I think one person's got a bottle of Cuervo, one person's got a bottle of Tanqueray, one person's got a bottle of Bacardi. And then one of us is holding this Ezra Brooks bottle, you know, empty. And, mm-hmm. you know, and so, you know, that was without realizing it, my, my, definitely my aha moment with whiskey, which I'm thankful for because I realized, you know, that was not, not just whiskeys in general, but, but vintage whiskeys and dusties, which is, uh, you know, the huge passion of mine right now, you know, really my focused over allocated bottles and, and just the whiskey market in general. So, you know, that was about the same time, you know, so I think trying that bottle plus trying some, some of the more current, you know, what we call allocated bottles now were, were what took me on my path. And then I guess stage two, you know, leading back to your question was kind of realizing that there was a, a market for whiskey. So the way I figured that out was by opening one of these bottles and drinking it that I had in my collection. That bottle was one of the, uh, Sazerac 18 year bottles. And at this time it was a few oh. years later, I had moved around a little bit. Uh, I'd lived in Las Vegas for a few years and then I had just moved to Mississippi, working for a really great chef, um, John currents at the city grocery so James Beard, a wooden chef, you know, big, big Southern chef. And so he I was working with him and I, you know, wasn't really the impact of working there or in a different market, but I literally just had some coworkers over after work and, you know, wasn't making much money, you know, in a small town. And so I had some of these whiskey bottles in my collection. I said, Hey, let's just open one of these. I've had it sitting here for a few years. It was ninety bucks, you know, so it's kind of expensive, yeah. which is why I was waiting to open it. Um, but you know, I think we were celebrating a friend, you know, a friend's birthday. And, uh, you know, I didn't have to go to the store and buy another bottle. I mean, it might've all been closed, but, you know, so we opened one of the, one of the early, early bottlings of, of Sazer 18 and kind of the same thing. Everybody was like, man, this is good. Probably drank half the bottle or more, you know, just between a few of us. And one of my friends came over later in the evening. we had been in Mississippi a while. And, you know, I think, you know, I think this was probably somewhere around 2011 2012 and you know he said hey you know i think this bottle's worth worth a lot of money and i was like what do you mean you know i paid 90 (laughs) bucks for it and he's like he's like no you know, i think pulled out his phone and you know we looked on the internet i think at the time you know maybe you know by then some some places were were selling at online retail and maybe a few option sites or whatever but we looked it up i think you know there are some prices out there for like Five or six hundred bucks, and I was like, "Whoa!" You know. So I think I looked up a couple other bottles in my collection, and that's when I realized, like, "Hey, I've had this bottle. There it is, of just a few years, and supposedly, you know, it's worth this much now." You know. And so that's that. I think that's one stage two hit for me because you know I've always been kind of entrepreneurial, and and uh, I've always been a collector. So I think that's that's you know where kind of the, the secondary. You know, market and allocated whiskeys and and that kind of thing had come from. And you know, most of these things weren't being allocated yet. Like I said, you could still yeah.
0: But and, and still, now the gears turning in your head. Yeah. I would imagine the gears are now going to turn and go like, wait, I know where all the bodies are buried. I know where more of the stuff <laughs> is, and nobody realizes yet. Because like that was sure. for me. I was like, wait, I've I've traveled the country. I know where the shit's sitting. I'm gonna go get it now.
1: <laughs> like, right yeah absolutely so yeah i think i think that stage stage two was that was that exact moment where you know i didn't i never you know thought about that but all of a sudden you know also mississippi you know i'd say just as a southern state along with a lot of other southern markets are they're big big whiskey markets but big american whiskey markets you know bourbon and whiskey those are huge but you know nobody but but
0: those were just sitting no yeah but but right those you know they, they were sitting i mean i you know, I would go to these places in like Menominee, Wisconsin. You know, where it's like these ninety-dollar bottles were sitting because the everyday guy's drinking like twenty-nine-dollar whiskey. He's doing it to like numb the pain, perhaps, or just to get sure. a buzz. And I'm like, wait, that ninety stuff, that ninety-dollar ones worth six hundred bucks. And 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 the stores would be like, oh my god, I can't believe you're spending so much. I'll give you a discount. Right. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. I don't know. That'd be great, too. I I remember going sure. to the store and buying all of these bottles, and the bill was like 2200 And that haul was probably worth ten grand. And the dude's like, dude, like you spend so much money, I'm going to give you 15% off. I'm like, oh, thank you. Really appreciate it. And I was like, oh, wow. They're just not used right. to people spending. <laughs> sure. And now if
1: you buy a case, the US, oh, you account, you know, yeah. they'll take <laughs> well, it away. Yeah. they will be a case. And just yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's that's also true. So, yeah, I definitely remember. You know that that being the the case. You know, my when I lived in Mississippi, uh, my everyday drinker was uh, Weller Special Reserve, and it was about seventeen ninety nine a bottle. And you know, like I said, you know, I wasn't wasn't doing great financially there. My favorite whiskey was Weller Antique. I think. You know, for kind of yep. an everyday drinker, but a, a slightly higher price, you know, it was like $24. So mentally that threshold of, of $24 to, you know, uh, instead of 17 was like, well, if I had a good week, you know, maybe I'll buy the, buy the antique. Cause I like it better, but you know, that was kind of me, me being, being thrifty, you know, my last name's Weinberg. So, you know, that, that was kind of where my mentality was. I'm, I'm not going to spoil myself uh, every day just cause I, I like this stuff. So, you know, I think i'm fortunate because i i get to learn learn how to drink good whiskeys at a at a good value and, and realize where where that access is uh because you know that's probably the number one question i i get you know these days or one of the common things is hey w- what's your favorite whiskey and uh you know it's such a complicated question to answer because you know well i don't know who these people are that i'm talking to well if i tell them that my favorite whiskey is you know two thousand dollars a bottle will, will they look at me like i have two heads so for me, uh, a really important factor is for for drinking whiskeys is you know the the intersection of of price and value. You know you're looking at at you know some of the really good value whiskeys on the market from the big brands today. That's that's you know what I tell people. Hey, is you know here's the things that drive price. You know, age, proof, uh, and a few other things. But, you know, is this a good value to you when, when you look at all, all the, all the details on paper and you know, what's a good value to you, isn't a good value to another person. Um, and, and obviously everybody's, everybody's individual tastes are, are different. So, you know, I always tell people here's maybe not my beer whiskey, but here's some good whiskeys that are a great value. I think that's a good starting point when you're having that conversation. Yeah.
0: And also, and also what's their financial, I mean, you know, I deal with people, I'm like, well, you know, what do you, do you want to have the FU bar? Do you want to have the FU drinkers? Like, where's your head financially?
1: Because this could go in a lot of directions. Exactly. So, yeah, it's, it's one of those things, you know, well, here's, here's a bottle of, a bottle of bourbon that has a 10 year age statement and it's 30 bucks. And here's another bottle of 10 year age shaded bourbon that's 179 dollars so you you tell me you know which one you'd like to drink and if they're both good whiskeys, you know one's a, a little bit better than the other or, or maybe even a lot better than the other but you can drink five or six of the of this other bottle for the same price I mean there's a lot of there's a lot of entertainment value right there so you know you, you can well, buy a lot I, more I remember friends like friends over
0: yeah. I mean, I was at, I was with Tommy at the Ballard Cut and he had picked up an old uh, Mixtures US 101, like one of the first releases. You know, I don't even know what year that would have been a long time ago. And, and we drank that. And I'm like, dude, this is probably one of the best whiskeys I've had, which like, what's that got? Like a three, four year age statement on it? And it tasted like root beer. And I'm like, dude, like, this is like addictive. There's just something special about the right. older stuff, which is, which is where I went down the rabbit hole. I'm like, you know, I'll always saying, like first of all, you can't microwave whiskey. You know, like it has to do its thing. And second, the dudes that made it a long time ago, they didn't have cell phones and emails and all that shit. They were just going and doing a job. Make yeah, we're, They weren't that get point.
1: distracted. It was just like, hey, you know. Absolutely, absolutely. And when you're talking about a, a brand like Mictor's, you know, who were sourcing whiskey, you know, they're not even making it. They're yeah. they're one of the yeah. early kind of big brands to be a non-distiller producer. You know, you look at the vision of, of of that company. You know, they they were kind of a, a spirits portfolio that you know. I think that Captain uh, Imports and they had yep, you know some yep. vodkas and a bunch of obscure stuff. But I think you know, Mitker's was the only American whiskey or bourbon in, the, in their category. And I I remember this very well. Kind of maybe in the in the stage stage three, I guess if you want to say we're we're there now. Yeah, was <laughs> was was actually meeting the owner of a whiskey company or of that of that company because uh, you know he came into you know at this point you're you know the boom is starting and and you know you know these guys these guys are actually hitting the counts but it's not just you know your local brand ambassador rep you know that's the owner uh no maglioko you know he was in my restaurant and and we have you know five of those whiskeys on on our bar you know we've got we've got the victor's 20 bourbon and and we we've got the you know all the regular core us1 series you know from you know those are from you know the 11 12 13 you know those first couple of years that they were bottling yeah. and and you know so i guess we we're we we're supporters of there so you know we're a big account yeah. so he's visiting us because he's in town and and i remember chatting with him and you know it didn't seem like a big deal at the time but now you know to any bourbon file if, if you said hey casually you want to you know hang out and talk with the owners of, of mickers for a while you know they uh, you know that that's like something you'd have to like buy at a charity option and you know, for $5,000 to get that experience and, and get some one-on-one time with somebody like that. But, you know, he he was a visionary. I mean, Seth, I, I did, know, I did, I did my, it, my first
0: tasting. Doing. I did my first Mixtures tasting with him in 2017, and I didn't know because I was so nervous in the room. I didn't know it was him. So I was like, I walked away from that tasting and go like, this is like the most amazing salesperson I've ever met in my life. This is in the office in New York, And I'm just sitting there and I'm just like blown away. We're drinking the Celebration, the 20s, the 25 bourbon that just got released. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm in heaven. I'm in heaven. And it wasn't until after the whole thing, I'm like, I even, I remember calling him after. I'm like, you didn't have to do that. He's like, no. You know, like (laughs) never, ever have I met an individual like that family that are just so emotionally and physically and everything attached to their brand and just generous.
1: It's just, it's mind-blowing. Yeah, I think okay. You know, I think, good. I think they want to share good whiskey because it's kind of the same thing. You know, he was buying great whiskey and knew it was good, and you know, it took a, a lot of, a lot of work for that brand to grow. It didn't happen overnight. So, no, absolutely. You know, no, when, when he's at a bar, he wants to open a bottle if if you bought it, and he wants to share it with with anybody that's there. I I remember him doing that many years later at a, another house I worked at, you know, I think we had bought a bottle of celebration and that was kind of a risk at at $3,000 a bottle to buy. Yeah. And he said, you know, I think they got their team to come in and, and crack it. And he, you know, he, he bought a shot for, for myself and a few other staff members and said, make sure you try this because it's really special stuff and there's not a lot of it. And, you know, it's it's definitely, yeah. you know, that's, that's how, how, how you grow a brand. I mean, you know that the, No, the, they did it. it Speak for itself. So, so now
0: let's go because we're chatting. Just we're getting way too excited, and the clock is ticking. <laughs> I, I love rolling this. Tell me something. Absolutely. Tell me something now. In in twenty twenty three, and you know, you have quite a reputation for not like you know. I hate to say, for lack of a better word, knowing where where it all is. Are you? I mean, it's thriving right now, right? The the whole dusty side of it. Like it's popping up everywhere in the country. Absolutely, My pockets of um, whiskey I'll just, I just. Mean, I'm watching and I'm like, holy shit.
1: Yeah, there's there's definitely you know, uh, it seems to be everywhere um, because you know some of the stuff is gets a lot of press, but you know, and mm-hmm. and the grand scheme of things, I, I tell other collectors this a lot of times because you know our, our little small community of collectors where we're kind of in, inside our own head sometimes. I'm like, you know, this is an extremely yeah. small East part of, of the the whiskey business. You know, even just the allocated part of the whiskey business, you know, obviously yeah. now with social media and the internet, you know, yeah. word gets out, out there faster. But when you're talking about, you know, you know, just let's say American whiskey drinkers, people who drink allocated stuff like Blanton's or Pappy, you know, that might be one you know, one tenth of one percent of of American whiskey drinkers. Yeah, your average person, your blue collar worker, is drinking Jack Daniels. There's the reason why Jack Daniels is yes. the biggest American whiskey brand. They've been around a long time. They were always making good whiskey, and you know that's what and, and I like what people drink. Done, to be honest, right? Like yeah, I like
0: what they've done because they they're making yeah. whiskey now that might appeal to you and me in for, exactly. for our palates. Like some of those single barrels. We're just like, I'm like, dude, this is fucking phenomenal. The age yeah, stuff. And- I'm like, why not? You know, because that goes kind of goes back to that early time where, you know, I would go in, like I said, Menominee, Wisconsin, and the average guy was Jack and Coke all day. That was whiskey. And I'm like, oh, wait, I sure. got a pappy here for like, you know, $149. Look at me, big spender. I'm buying that. Yeah. <laughs> I still like, I think there's something happening, you know? So, yeah. So watching Jack Daniels is a great example of a brand that in. 2022 2023 just really started going like we got other stuff we're not just a one trick pony and we can like we can take that 1% that you were talking about a few minutes ago and give them something too
1: absolutely because they you know they they did a great job innovating in the last few years to uh, appeal to broader markets and that is that's a great example you know they they've always had great whiskey it just you know it was for a different demographic and you know you know having an appreciation for for whiskeys you know these these high age statements and these high proofs you know that's not something that's not the first whiskey you're going to drink uh when you're introduced to whiskey that's something that you develop a taste for over time you know especially with the kind of the, i call them proof heads you know the, the proof craze of, mm-hmm. of this ha- the, this not mm-hmm. stuff you know there's nobody mm-hmm. who, who's never drank whiskey before you don't want to introduce them to that whiskey you know that's something years down the road yeah. where 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 they need to understand uh, the, the whiskey process mm-hmm. and what makes this special and unique and and otherwise you know most people are just going to try that and, and taste alcohol or the feel of alcohol because you you know alcohol yeah. itself doesn't have any any taste but but you know that's people won't get past that even even something that's 110 proof you know they need to start with a, a Jack Daniels that's 80 proof and then be introduced to to the more complex stuff over over time you know they shouldn't be drinking Coy Hills uh no. to get started to get started with so you know, then no,
0: not good, the not dusty. good for the brand either.
1: Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. I I think the dusty craze, you know, is, is something unique. You know, it takes the right type of of drinker and and person. You know, maybe it's whether they're a collector or not, or just just a person who you know you know kind of has the nostalgia and the appeal to history. Um, so you know, it's a completely different different flavor profile, oftentimes, but you know, a much wider wider profile and it's kind of you know i, I call kind of dusty drinkers kind of the, the final tier of of a whiskey or, or or liquor drinkers because you know they've they've gotten they've they're basically you know we're going to to extra lengths and extra work to to find things that that aren't available you know allocated whiskeys even though you don't see them sitting on the uh, the normal source shelf they're on the back of the shelf or they're you know they're yeah, not, under the but, counter but they're a bit, they're available, they're still being produced, you know, everybody knows what they are because of the internet, you know, some of these dusty yeah. models that we find, nobody knows what they are, you know, even, even, you know, we have our, our circles and our groups on the, on the internet, and we put our heads together, and there's a lot of questions that can't be answered, so, you know, even the brands can not answer some of these questions, uh, you know, if you can get a hold of them, and even if you can, but, you know, they don't have record of all this stuff, because, you know. Companies were, were bought and sold and consolidated and yeah. Nobody thought nobody thought to to keep record of all this stuff, you know, and some of it just got, got lost in in a shop one translation, but it's also just kind of drunk history, you know. You know, maybe we were just sitting here bottling some of this stuff and and we never took took the time to to think about the history behind it. So no, we were just doing a job. Was, we were just doing a job and making it
0: and and we were a whiskey dealer. Right. Now Final question. I always like to end on these things because you've done a lot of cool shit. Is there any like standout moment where you're like, "Holy fuck, I can't believe I just did that"? Or there's a few of them, you know. Like, what's a moment where you like, "I'm fucking Seth Wineford from St. Louis. Look what the fuck
1: I did. Like, this is awesome." <laughs> Anything <Yeah>. like that? <laughs> yeah, I, I guess. Uh, yeah, I've got a, I've got a few, and you know, surprisingly, you know, the first time I, I had one of these stories, you know, to me. Uh, you know, I was like, wow, I can't believe that just happened. That's probably the only time this will happen in my life. Um, but then, you know, it's happened a few more, a a few more times. And that, and that, and that's not, not just luck, you know, there's some of us luck, you know, one of the, one of the big scores or finds that I found, you know, was, uh, you know, a, you know, my sister's best friend's husband's, you know, friend who found this stuff. So, you know, that was a, a lucky connection, but it was, it's not, you know that was still four or five or six degrees of separation that was partly because you know I'm known as a uh, somebody who's knowledgeable about liquor and uh, specifically weird stuff and old stuff so you know that stuff still found me because I you know kind of put it out there that hey this is something I know about so um, you know some a lot of work was done for that to happen in the first place but you know kind of the same thing being, being on the bar and restaurant side you know a lot of folks uh pretty much anybody who works in bars is interested about liquor. Um, but you know, they're generally kind of the same thing dealing with the brands that they know about. Um, but you know, they come across an old bottle in their and their um, you know, ants aunt, ants liquor cabinet and they'll reach out to me about it because there's, you know, and yeah in the bar world, there's only a handful of people that that have a, a ton of knowledge. You know, I, I still look at it as, as you know, I'm I'm only uh, about two years retired from from being a bartender and bar manager. Um and the reason that I, you know, kind of one of the main catalysts of me leaving that side of the business because it's fun and lucrative and that exciting, uh, exciting business to be in the hospitality business is, was because of one of these big dusty finds where, you know, the financial windfall, uh, as well as just the excitement of, of getting the, to, to score, uh, you know, one of these huge, huge lots of really rare and historic, uh, whiskey, you know, to me, it's not just the value me, it's the the historical, um, yeah. you know, saving of some of these bottles that literally were about to be thrown away. And it was, it's taking the time, you know, the, the, the reason, you know, where, where I kind of saw the, the need and the necessity to, to quit my job and do this full time was, you know, a lot of it's very time sensitive. If you don't go pick this stuff up this week, then yeah, it might get, it might get tossed if you don't go buy it this week then somebody else is going to buy it. And who knows what they're going to do with it? Maybe they are just going to auction it off, um, or, or sell yeah. It I mean, lo-
0: I mean, you know, for a small profit, they'll just call. So- they'll just call Sotheby's to come pick it up,
1: <laughs> right? And <laughs> that, and for me, you know, for me, you know, for me, you know, one of these big finds, you know, I had I had these uh, uh, quite a few of these bottles that had never been seen by any of the big collectors, wow. never been sold, and I didn't sell any of them for more than a year or trade any of them or get rid of them because yeah. you know. I wanted to know everything about these bottles you know and do the research when i had time uh before i sold one because you know i i want i want to make sure that you know i'm giving someone the proper information um and that you know you know both both parties are are happy with with uh the deal you know it's fair for both sides and everything being represented is is accurate so for me you know that's I think where I differ than you know a lot of the folks who are kind of into into file. Oh, they flip and, and buying was he's yeah. yeah they flip quickly and you know I'm I yeah. you know to a fault same as you. I'm an, an excellent buyer, but I'm not a very good seller because I'm you know, I'm, I'm with you a hundred percent. I I mean I really haven't sold shit. Right. <laughs> it's it's so much <laughs> more fun. It's it's so much more fun to buy stuff and and the other the. The, the hunt uh, is so is so much more exciting and you know that's why I do it a lot of time honestly you know going into places where I know I'll probably never find things but you know sometimes I, I find small things that, that are exciting to me you know yeah. something that's been sitting there for 40 or 50 years um, even if it doesn't have a lot of value uh, to me I think it's cool that, that somehow it's survived on the on the shelf in a big city so I guess uh, you know kind of long, long way to answer this question but I think the story that's kind of the mo- most unique and fun, um, and, and I was, uh, it was the start of COVID. You know, I'd been managing a bar, and I had just been furloughed. So basically, you know, unemployed for, uh, you know, we thought maybe a week, but it turned out being quite <laughs> And so, you know, of course, what did I do with my free time? Well, one of the things I did was drive around to a lot of liquor stores because, you know, they were essential business. So I definitely did some, mm-hmm. some dusty hunting in the area when I could Spent a lot of time on eBay. Actually one, one was just selling things, not full liquor bottles. Cause you can't sell full liquor bottles on eBay since yeah. 2012, but you know, I was just, you know, trinkets that I had sitting around, I think I had some old brand swag and stuff like that. You know, I didn't have a paycheck coming in. So, you know, I needed to make a little bit of money. So, you know, I think, I think I got my girlfriend at the time she was You know, selling some, I got her selling some of her old vintage clothing and stuff like that, you know, just so we could pay our rent and things like that. And I saw a couple bottles of uh, pre prohibition or prohibition era whiskey on eBay, actually just one, but it it had, uh, you know, perfect labels and um, kind of a a perfect box, which is, you know, those come up on eBay on occasion, you know, but even just a a 100 year old box to me has value. You know, I know there's definitely a stigma with, with buying empty bottles cause, uh, counterfeiting. And then I completely understand that. Um, but to me, you know, and some of the other large collectors, you know, they've been buying old historic bottles for a long time. That's one of the things that I did for, for a brief period was, you know, go to antique stores and you find a cool empty bottle, you know, of like four roses and you're like, wow, this is such a cool embossed old bottle. And, uh, you know, you pay 20 bucks for that. And then, you know, maybe two years later in your journey, you find a full bottle and, you know, that's kind of the goal is, Hey, I have this cool display piece, um, for now, um, that I love putting on my mantle. You know, that's kind of how dusty hunting started for me. You know, you weren't just finding full bottles around every day. That's something that happens over time. But anyways, this, this bottle came up and really just for the being that it had the old cardboard box, I bought it and, it got shipped to me, and a couple of days later, I see another one pop up, and I look, and it's the same seller and same guy from Wisconsin, and so I miss him because I, you know, this is a bottle I'd only seen, I'd only seen one example of it full, you know, in nice condition with the box with one of the big collectors out there on the internet, but never even seen an empty otherwise. So to me, you know, it's a very cool historic brand, and uh, you know, ties to to A.P.H. Stitzel. And, you know, Pappy Van Winkle. And so I messaged him and said, Hey, you know, I, I bought this first bottle from you. I saw you posted, I think, another two more today. You know, do you have a bunch more of these? You know, where they all come from? What's the provenance? And he sent me a picture back on eBay. And there's like this, you know, counter full of these bottles. And like a bunch of them are full. And they've got whiskey in them. And he goes, yeah, you know, I got like a case of these from... From my neighbor she had him in her basement so what i did was you know you can't sell whiskey on on ebay so i, I drilled through the cork and i uh emptied some of it out down the <laughs> you know i emptied it out down the drain i'm not really a whiskey drinker i tried it like <laughs> I, you know it, it, it's not gonna not gonna kill you if you drank it but you know it's not really for me so i just dumped it down the drain and uh, i picked out the two of the best examples and uh, that way the labels were really good and everything and. So I, you know, right away I was like, you know, my heart sank, this guy had already yeah. opened, opened, uh, you know, or, you know, ruined, you know, three bottles, uh, of whiskey that to me were history, you know, the juice inside and, you know, you can't make that ever again. So I said, you know, right away, I was like, Hey, you know, obviously I, I paid a fair amount of money for these bottles, empty, or for this bottle empty. And, you know, I'm honestly not really interested in, in having any more of an empty but they are definitely worth more to me, uh, full and sealed. I know you can't sell those, you know, wouldn't you be open to, uh, me, you know, I, I know you probably don't want to ship these, you know, I kind of got, got the idea that, that this guy didn't, you know, this is, you know, obviously 2022 or 2020. So, you know, mm. this guy, you know, even though he's selling stuff on eBay, he hadn't used the, the internet to his full advantage. So I, I said, you know, I wouldn't want you to have to ship these and I know they're pretty fragile, which they were. Um, and you got quite a few of them would, would you be open to selling them full? I'll just come pick them up in person. We can make a deal off eBay and, and he agreed to it. He, you know, I, we actually didn't even make a deal, um, for a certain amount of money. He just said, Hey, you spent, you know, a hundred bucks on an empty bottle. I know you're good for it. You know, you can pay me a little bit more for the other ones. You know, I didn't even know, you know, what he had exactly until I actually got there. So, you know, during, during the start of COVID. I jumped on a plane actually to Chicago um you know it's pretty empty obviously and but I had all the free time in the world so I uh yeah d- rented a car from Chicago drove to the middle of nowhere Wisconsin and and uh, met this stranger uh at his house him and him and his uh his I think brother were sitting on the on the front porch in their overalls uh drinking drinking Coors Light and I walked in and sure enough you know there's this this whole whole case of uh you know, APH Ditzel bottled, uh, Dowling brothers, prohibition whiskey. And, you know, I had a a big wad of cash in my pocket and, you know, I didn't know exactly how much I needed, but you know, he, he asked for a fair amount of money and I gave him, uh, uh, gave him every, everything that I had in in cash. And I think I've him a little bit more and, and, uh, and then I took a little road trip and went and went and saw my parents, you know, was, was super excited. This was my, my. You know, it, like I said, it, it's hard to find one of these bottles. That was and, the windfall. And, and, and <laughs> seal. And, and that, that was one, one of the couple windfalls that I had early on. And, you know, just the excitement of that, you know, not, not the value of the whiskey so much, but, but really, you know, the history. If, if I hadn't have taken the time to, you know, to have this conversation and to make the trip, you know, all these bottles would have, would have been, been wasted and ruined uh, for the Oh, yeah, all owed them other. down the drain. Right. <laughs> because to him, <laughs> you know, that was a, a lot. Bottle right and to him that was a lot of money you know he had no idea you know he was doing something that was a frowned upon in the whiskey community you know i didn't even see it that way at the time um you know but but to me you know it's uh, that's kind of kind of lucky and but also you know a lot of thought and work went into that kind of the same thing you know i I never sold any of those bottles and you know recently uh, another another collection of them was found and i i believe you know i ended up buying some of those as well and i believe you know this case might have came from the same place based on the location so you know it's really interesting um i guess you know even though the stuff's all over the world sometimes how how small of a world it is you know a lot of us know each other and it's a time you know a lot of us talk to to the same people so it's you know you know you know folks like yourself you know all these people that i've met on the internet you know are are now good friends of mine you know i travel all over the country and we we stop stop at each other's houses and we we trade bottles and we share share whiskeys and we meet at whiskey festivals like It's a uh, Bonanza, you know. So it's 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 become you know not not just you know a job but also you know a community and and that's I guess the best part of it to me and the reason I love it so much um, these days is is uh, you know it's it's a really great community. There's a lot of a lot of
0: no we have so we have something we have something special we have yeah. something special. Uh, Sethy, I gotta wrap it up. Because we're out All of right. time. Uh, I love it, bro. I love it. Keep fucking killing it. Seriously. <laughs> Keep killing it. I love watching the show. I can't afford it. look forward to seeing you. Guys, I just want to say thank you for listening. Uh, you can't even understand the passion that we have toward this whole whiskey history. And Seth and I will do another one where we'll, we'll focus on some more historical bottles. But I can't thank everyone enough for listening. Seth, I can't. Dude, thank you for coming on, brother. Seriously. Thank you. No. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you for sharing your passion. This is exactly what I want on this podcast. And, and you really are the man because keep hunting, keep having fun. And that's a wrap for this week, my friends.
1: Zevi, thank you again. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me on.